Hey there, Mark here with a quick introduction to our latest episode where I will be talking to Sam Moore, the creator of a new comic book, The Traveller's Guide to Flagoria. It's a bit different to our regular episodes because here we are talking to someone who has been inspired by G.I. Joe rather than a G.I. Joe project in of itself. But it's a great new comic book that I'm very excited about. And I wanted to share some of that enthusiasm with you. Now, we recorded this uh, on a video call, so uh, the it will be available on YouTube with lots of added visuals. But hopefully, if you stay here for the audio only version, you'll still have something to get a kick out of. But uh by all means, head on over to YouTube and check out that version instead, if you would prefer. Uh, I think that's me done. So in the meantime, uh, let's get started. Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, hey, hey. You just caught me reading People of New Zealand by Sam Moore. And that is because we're doing a special episode today. It's a bit of the beaten track of what we normally do. Normally, we're talking about specific G.I. Joe issues or G.I. Joe creators. And here we're talking to someone who is into G.I. Joe and seeing how it has influenced their work. And it's specifically about a book that's coming out soon that I'm very excited about as well. So uh, while we're going along, we'll find out a bit more about that. So with that little preamble... Joining us from Christchurch, New Zealand, it's the creator of The Traveller's Guide to Flagoria, coming soon from Scout Comics, it's Sam Moore, a.k.a. Ugly Ink. I'm reading that one too. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you've got a coffee. That's a coincidence. <laughs> Andy. <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah, I picked this up a little while ago. A great little uh, read. And, uh, yeah, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm uh, sort of, yeah, doing work and uh, something is, is whirring away at the screen, it's a, a good one to pick up uh, and just spend a couple of minutes <laughs> flicking through uh, while I'm. I'm sure there's um, some uh, character transfer over there to where you are as well. Yes. Yeah, I think there is some quite universal tropes of character types uh, in, in there for, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've all got uh, an office Jan or... <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Any, any, any uh, functioning uh, office. So I was going to start with just a little uh, sort of preamble on to how I sort of found out about you and your... I first find out, found out about you... Uh, through my kids who during the pandemic would be doing uh, Zoom art classes uh, with uh, Art Room Brighton's uh, where where we are. And uh, the the instructor there, Seb, would often start the class with, here's some inspiration uh, of, a, of an artist and we're going to try and use their art style to come up with a piece of our own. And uh, what he shared with the kids was a couple of pieces of uh your art specifically the uh the cat on the uh on the walker and uh the and this piece with the the, the robot rotisserie <laughs> so 
so they they had that as their inspiration uh sort of working away uh in their in their on the zoom uh, class while well yeah they were while the schools were closed and this is what uh, Thomas came up with. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll go uh, full screen on me just for a second there. See the full glory. That's so cool. <laughs> so he came up with this dog on top of a washing machine with like, I think it's a beaver or something in inside of. Of, of course it is. And, uh, That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That that was how I sort of in, got introduced to to your stuff, and then I sort of had to sort of Google and go, you know, who is this guy? What it was his stuff? Found your Instagram and thought, this is amazing. Sort of, you know, click, follow, uh, scroll through all of the history of stuff you've posted, and um, yeah. and then just yeah, uh, you know, things uh, popping up uh, in the in the feed as you as you post them, and then yeah, after after sort of already kind of thinking your stuff is is great then you start uh posting some sort of stuff of your office move so you posted this this viper uh onto onto yeah. Twitter quite a long time ago but um uh what yeah, i long, long time ago what i saw was was your office move and you started posting some photos yeah. <laughs> from from your <laughs> office layout i was going what yeah he, he, he loves gi joe as well what could be what could be better so um Let's uh, yeah. uh, let's talk about the GI the role of GI Joe in your uh, in your office yeah. and your and your collection. First of all, well, my wife doesn't let any of my stuff leave my office, so <laughs> it's kind of full. I don't know it's what full you mean. of all this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, doesn't kind of go with the rest of the decor of the house, um, but it's just sort of my creative space, I guess. I mean. In the back, in the back, we've got like Ralph McQuarrie. Oh right, um, Star Wars art. There's other, there's other toys in the background there. You know, it's just, you know, all the things that I couldn't afford when I was a kid that you can, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these are old, but you know, I bought the ones on screen. I bought off a um, a poor guy that was trying to buy a house and he was selling his <laughs> oh, GI no. Joe collection. And I, I think I got these for like twenty bucks each, and I still feel bad about it. Oh, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the there's something about the packaging and the sound that these things make. I don't know that sound. The rattle that takes you back to yeah, back to being being a kid. And so I just want them around. I, I love them. I like I like them in the packet. It's like an art object almost. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there's something about like if I was a millionaire, I'd buy. You'd have to buy like three of each. You'd one to open. One just in case, and one, you know, <laughs> one to put in some sort of hermetically sealed yeah. room just for future generations. You know, I just love them. When they came up with the design for that packet, they sort of somehow, I'd say luck, but uh, lucked, but uh, I think it's beyond that. They had some real, real talent and skills there, yeah. but um, they had just the, per yeah. but the perfect sort of meeting of creative minds to to be able to to have that. You know, the the figure, the the art. And all of the design touches yeah. on on the on the box that um yeah all of these it's, years it's still always seems... like you, when you, yeah when you're a kid it's like you'd think you'd want to rip them open but it's the the choosing the one to get was always the best part you know because it was always a, a giant wall of them yeah. and you just had to look through them <laughs> like i kind of never went in knowing what i was going to get it was always whatever i 
whatever caught my eye. Right, right. And you wouldn't, and because, yeah. you know, because there wasn't necessarily, you know, publicity and internet and all of these kind of things that we've got now, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily know what might even be there until you went into the shop and and see the, you know, the latest exactly. wave, you know, what's on the wall. Yeah. That mystery. Especially if you're living in the arts end of the world, you <laughs> never know, you know, we we probably got things like two or three years after, you know, you guys would have got things like that. Right, right. I don't know. There's, there's something about it. I just wish I could go back in time and revisit that sort of moment. I guess that's why I keep them, you know, that's why I still have them. Yeah, like what was what was the kind of the distribution of uh, G.I. Joe uh, as a, or Action Force? I don't know if it was, was it branded G.I. Joe down there? Yeah, it was G.I. Joe here, yeah. And and yeah, what was the distribution like? Was it, was it? everywhere like it like it was kind of in the states and over here yeah it's really funny like we never got the i don't think the cartoon ever screened mm. on tv here so it was all through i guess it would, would have been through comic books and just getting the, the vhs like compilations and movies out from the store but in and like department stores that was the, the boys toy i remember like it was sort of post he-Man and pre-Ninja Turtles, I guess it was everywhere. It was, it was G.I. Joe and Transformers, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what, what my big things were, and they were sort of out at the same time. And what was uh, what was your first uh, Joe figure that you can remember picking up for the first couple? It would have been, been Hawk, I think, General uh-huh. Hawk. I still got him somewhere in the cupboard there. I think he might have been in that photo you showed. Right. Um, <laughs> he, was the, he was the first, I think. Yeah, so he was my favourite, my first one. And I've still got his file card somewhere. And I think um, then it would have been maybe Sci-Fi, who was pretty cool. I always wanted his boots. I thought they were the coolest boots ever. (laughs) So he was pretty cool. Yeah, I always imagined he was Robocop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I I think, because it was New Zealand, I think we probably had a lot of the older ones at the same time as the second or third series as well. Right, Um, okay lines i think that would be all mixed up but i always wanted bat he was my favorite mm. and i just bought that yesterday i all right. got it from a place on instagram so that's that's shipping its way over here now so yeah i think hawk was the first and i got as armadillo the tank as well and then maybe the devil fish um little jet boat which i would really love to get again really love to find that and I don't even know what that orange thing is. I've never, I've never had one of those in my collections. That's uh, one of the the later Cobra tanks. I think by that point, yeah, I, I got that at a yard sale, ah. like maybe five or six years ago. That one, yeah, and that's right on the sort of the towards the tail end of the, uh, the original uh, original run. Uh, yeah, and yeah, have you kept on? You so you've, you've kept them with the adult collecting, but uh, have you have you delved into the the six inch GI Joe classified as that kind of no I haven't I can't bring myself to do it I feel like if I'm going to spend some money I'm going to get the original ones you know I might I might one day <laughs> it's a yeah it's a slippery slope once you've broken the seal on it then it's like yeah where do you stop yeah, yeah. oh yeah we had some props as well from uh, that that you said you got to, to hand yeah. so let's uh let's see what you uh, what you keep on your what have we got here the hand on your desk this was this was my fave. This was one of my faves. Excellent. I just thought he looked cool. He's in pretty good nick. That was another twenty buck one. I feel terrible. That poor guy. <laughs> and this this one I had to get this. 
yeah, you you yeah. picked him up from get someone who was trying to get raise some money to to move house, and I'm sure a lot of GI Joe collectors have had that I kind have. of di- dilemma at some point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I felt terrible. Like you could see he didn't want to get rid oh. of it either, but you know I couldn't pass it up, so I got. No I think I got this guy in an online auction. Yeah, pretty. He's just ridiculous. I just love the fashion. Yeah, he's wild. Volta. I I didn't even Volta's ridiculous as well. <laughs> he's fun. I was gonna say it took me until I was an adult to realise that Volta's backpack was actually a perch as well, that uh it's got yeah, this metal thing that I thought was like an antennae or something, but actually no, just rotate it and it's a perch for the bird. He's he's more like a, a Warhammer character that guy. Yeah, he's wild. This guy's pants are just out of control. <laughs> that's that's the leather neck with uh, the yellow and uh, like zebra pants, isn't it? Uh, no, giraffe pants. Yeah, I had the original leather neck. He was quite cool because he looked exactly like my uncle, and I thought that was really amazing <laughs> at the time. Or like a mixture of uh, the New Zealand cricket and Richard Hadley and my uncle. The look of leather neck was uh, his face was based on the designer Ron Rudat. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then Snow Serpent V two. <laughs> Yeah, he just came with so much stuff. It's great. <laughs> He's just into looking cool with his surf, yeah. with his uh, board and that. We got a snake guys. I'm not a huge fan of this one, but that was just so mint that I had to had to pick that one up. Yeah. And what have we got? We got another version of sci-fi. I love the art on that one. I think it's great. It's a it's a little bit more muted than the, than the first one, uh, the V twos. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's it's not a bad update. So those are my in pack ones. I've got a bunch of loose ones. You know, they always break, break in half, and you have to get new O rings and yeah. stuff like that. So I've got a, a bag of those somewhere. <laughs> you know. But I'd love to get more. I'd just love to get all of them if I was if I was wealthy enough. I'd get all of them. But uh, but presumably presumably the sweet spot is probably where you first started that wave. I don't know. Was it year three, year four ish with the the V two Hawk? And uh, the Viper yeah. and all of those. Yeah. Guys. Before they get before they get too colourful, you know, they're sort of transitioning towards that more extreme type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late eighties, early nineties feel, you know. But I don't know. There's something about them. They're all they're all silly and stupid, and I don't know. There's something about them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their their favourite uh, era, and uh, and yeah, I think uh, they've all got their they've all got their selling points, haven't they? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, I, there's some as a kid I would joke, "Oh, that's just so stupid. I'd never buy that." But now I just think they're great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we were talking about toys, but um, but and you mentioned comics as well. So, did you did you pick up the comic um, in your youth when it was originally coming out? And uh... yeah, I think I probably started with. Because I was big into Transformers, it would have been that Transformers GI Joe crossover, nice. and probably went from there, and then went back and forward, just picking up random um, comics mm-hmm. when we went on holiday or you know a, a road trip or something like that. So, but I think the GI Joe Transformers thing, I just thought was the coolest thing to ever happen, <laughs> and had to start getting that. Yeah, is that, that is that just a, an American import that you would have been picking up from from somewhere? Um. Well, we didn't. I don't think we had a comic book store, so it would have just been whatever random comic was at the bookstore. Um, and I remember my my cousin or something would have been into it as well. 
But it's one of those things like I probably couldn't even grasp the fact that comics came out every month. I would just pick pick up a, a random issue mm-hmm. and just went went from there. Like I have, you know, issue five and issue thirty, you know, there's nothing <laughs> in a row. But yeah, it just would have been one of those holiday things. Yeah. Similar for, for me that um sort of just knowing that the comic sort of came out regularly and there was a way of getting it monthly kind of was a little bit of an anathema. Um, so, so I'd sort of pick up, you know, back issues here, there, and everywhere where I could find them. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just an interest, interesting because you kind of put piece together the the kind of the chronology, <laughs> you know, an issue here, an issue there, yeah. all out of order, and sort of piecing together yeah. uh, the kind of the broader the broader story. And it's quite um quite a fun fun way of actually discovering it. Yeah, it's it's just the perfect thing. Like a comic book and GI Joe and Transformers were made for each other. Just the you know, the, especially back in the day, the, the sort of old school, you know, colouring, which is simple and sort of messy and not exactly perfect, works well with the toys, you know. But I, th- I think the thing that G.I. Joe appealed to me was the fact that the toys look like the comic, whereas Transformers, you know, they don't, those, especially those early ones, don't transfer to a... Mm. To a comic very well, though. If you if you drew it correctly, it would look really stupid. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, <laughs> when they were drawing oh, you know, from this the crotch trigger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't translate quite so well at all. No. So did you did you sort of piece together like uh, a collection of the of of like a, a run or pick up the trades later on or have you been? Yeah, like I say, if I if I see one, I'll I'll buy it. And back in the day, I just I'd still buy it just to have it there. Half the time, I buy them and don't read them, but you know, just to have them. But back in the day, yeah, I would I'd probably get especially that Transformers run as well. I'd I'd have that. I've still got that somewhere as well. I'd definitely have that run. Yeah. Have you been? Have you sort of delved into any of the the more modern uh, GI Joe books? Yeah. Every now and then, I I pick up, especially if there's a new artist on mm. or something that looks really cool. Um, what was that recent one? Um, I can't remember what it was, but it sort of was a hark back to the um, the cartoon, but a comic book right. form. Yeah, Saturday Morning Adventures. Yeah, that was quite cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, anything that gets that feel, like I'm not, I guess there was even maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was this sort of a, a run where, I don't know, comics were a bit silly and didn't, they were all the same style and that sort of didn't really appeal to me. But if something can capture that feel of the 80s, original stuff then i'm all for it did you check out the the tom scioli transformers versus gig yes that's the one yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it was great yeah great stuff but excellent um so um i was i saw your um sort of collection of of uh toys that you posted on on your your office uh move and thought hey he does a does these cool illustrations he's into gi joe uh and then later on uh, I saw some of the uh, your box yep. art style covers that you'd been posting for uh, for your uh, book, uh, and then I thought, then th- that blew my mind <laughs> even more, more. It was like uh, you're you're not just uh, you're not just sort of you know, collecting GI Joe. It's uh, it's sort of being incorporated into into your work, and it was yeah. uh, you know a lot of fun to to see the um the these sort of variant cover sort of or or just bits that you've been been sort of posting uh for for fun i guess is this this is six here on the screen so is that uh six that you've made for for cover b's for the book is that right yeah 
Yep, that's um, there's the run is six issues, so um, six covers. I, basically, any excuse to do this sort of thing <laughs> and get it printed, and then maybe just get the thought in the publisher or anyone that thinks you know sees it and goes, "Oh yeah, we should make those." That's basically what I'm trying to do there. <laughs> I want someone to go to message me and say, "I'm going to make those a reality," you know? Yeah. Um, like any excuse, I could. Any excuse to have that awesome front and then the back cover is obviously like a file card, just like mm-hmm. um, the original G.I. Joe stuff, you know, with uh, little p- profile blurbs about each character and their features. And yeah, there's one I did of Office Jan. Yeah, that's uh, so I don't know, just that. I just love that aesthetic. And that's uh, a friend of mine uh, made the renders of the, the, um, the models as well. So it's just. If that gets, you know, if there's a toy maker watching or a <laughs> company that wants to mass produce these, I'm all for it. As you can see, that that, that character's me, by the way. So, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna touch on that because, uh, uh, yeah, I was wondering to what extent are you as uh, some of this being influenced a little bit by 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 life? Because I saw uh, in in when we're introduced to the main character there, um, Harry is Harry Blanford. That yeah. uh, that he's uh, working uh, working at a uh, local uh, local press. Was it is it something? Christ something <laughs> press. <laughs> I've changed it to Creek Church. But Creek yeah, Church. That's, that's right. Basically, um, yeah, it's basically. I don't know if you want to get into it now, but it's basically um, the first idea was if I put myself in the comic book, then I could use myself as photo reference, <laughs> and it will be nice. a lot better, a lot easier. Yeah, and then I thought, mm, let's you know, let's put all my flaws and insecurities into that character, and then it just went from there. And like, yeah, I used to work at a, a newspaper about twenty years ago in Christchurch, and even I, I sent you the the first issue, and even my little car, and that issue was my car, mm-hmm. you know. So um, those locations are all real locations, right? Um, in Christchurch, yeah. But um, yeah, it's me in action figure form. I. It's weird calling myself an action an action figure because that's not really me at all. But you know. in action figure, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, who who knows? Because there's these fan sort of passion projects now where uh, the concept of being able to produce some some figures of your own is is not quite as outlandish as it as it once might have been. That no, not at all. Uh, you know, Skeletron, Robo Skulls. Down, down there, they're doing so amazing, amazing things. And uh, uh, Carson Metaxas of 3D Joe's is doing um, Operation Recall. Have you, have you seen? Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you tempted to send in a little design, or? Oh, when if I ever get enough enough funds, I will get I will get these characters made. You know, kit bashed mm-hmm. as in you know with GI Joe parts. That's what ideally I'd love to do. You know with the yeah. these aren't sort of 100% G.I. Joe accurate, but I would love to get them made with that that proper right. G.I. Joe aesthetic. Yeah, we just, uh, I was looking through some of the um, some of the package uh, designs. Uh, yeah, I think it's the next one. You've kind of got the, got the, um, the back of it as as well with the full <laughs> the list of characters yeah, cool. on the, on the back. Um, yeah. Sort of, yeah, very sort of, um, giving you a little bit of a preview of some of the the characters to to come in the the wider world 
uh, the yeah the the clip and save file card and and a lovely touch here is that that um you, you know on this image here you've got the bubble being ripped off and all of the uh, all of the the marks yeah. sort of around the the yellow <laughs> so you don't have the uh... yeah um that was my backup if I couldn't work out how to right get someone to do the 3D models I thought I'll oh, just have it so some kids torn it open and left it like that you know well so that was before before the 3D models uh, got came about yeah um and he would make a great gi joe clark he'd be great <laughs> he worked the security chief with his sunburnt head and uh yeah yeah wild attitude uh and uh steve uh is, look, looks like he's going to be somewhat of uh, a star the steve the service spot somewhat a star of the uh yeah. of the series i've got uh, the uh the turnarounds of steve if i could Tell, tell us how uh, how this amazing 3D model of, of Steve uh, came about. Well, um, it's just a, a follower of mine on Instagram, um, Harad, if you look him up. Um, he's a, a pro in the gaming industry and stuff, and I just put up a thing, you know, draw this in your style of my Steve <laughs> robot. And um, they came up with this amazing, like, beautifully done, render which um i now use i have the 3d file and i can imp import it into you know some layout software and use that for posing and stuff like that just to get the reference all all right but i love that it's just one of the best things that um anyone's you know ever done that's why I mean, it still blows my mind that people would do spend their time doing that so like if i'm drawing let's see what we got because i do a bit of my line work um digitally just to save time and then I colour okay. it by hand. So if I've got like, you know, this, I don't know if you can see that, there's Steve, Steve there, that's one of the original pages. Um, so I can bring that 3D model in and then um, just get the angles right and everything. But it's just been an absolute perfect time saver for me and it's maybe far more efficient. Get some more Steve. Steve loses it. <laughs> it sort of goes on a bit of a on a bit of a robot rampage there for a bit. Wow. Um, yeah, Steve. Steve has some issues, but he doesn't know that he has issues. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's been through a lot, but he doesn't really remember anything. But yeah, that's he's probably my favourite character. I mm -hmm. Him and Clark. Um, and and I was uh, wondering as well about. Uh, some of the some of the inspirations. So, the, I mean, this looks like it's kind of lived in your mind for a, for a long time. Like the uh, the postings for for this look to date back about six years, yeah. <laughs> and it might have might have been in your brain before. Yeah, then. yeah. If you if you go back, maybe even ten years, I've had some of the characters, especially Clark. Um, it basically started if I can't sleep at night or whatever, I'll just dreaming in my head about a place that I might want to go and that's what Flavoria is right. um and then it was just an excuse to keep drawing like um when I was still gainfully employed um okay I would come home I would come home and just draw stuff because I didn't want to touch the computer I would just start drawing mm -hmm. and I thought let's give let's give all of these drawings a reason and a place to live so I thought oh let's use that that sort of fantasy land that you could go to mm. And it all came from there. 
Um, and then started posting. I think I have, there's a Reddit thread, the Flagoria Reddit thread, which I didn't start. Um, and I just started putting stuff in there. And um, a guy in the US slid into my DMs, um, Drew, if you're watching. <laughs> Um, and I, th- I thought he was, I thought he was taking the piss, but, um, he said, can you make this work as a story? Wow. And he's, you know, in, in Los Angeles and they sort of look after me now, which is pretty awesome and sort of got me on the right path to making this a cohesive story. And it was at one stage, it was, it was going to be a, a sort of in development as a TV show. And that's you saw the the bottom sort of fell out of the industry a couple of years ago with COVID and everything, and then thought, let's try it as a comic book. So now it's going to be a comic book next month. So and is currently back in development as a as a, as a TV show possibly. So um, it all went from starting a Reddit thread from an idea that I had like ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, because I mean, I sort of sort of what struck me sort of going through that Reddit thread and and. Uh, you know, all the various postings and stuff is that there's a, an awful lot of world building going on there of like creating these yeah. know, enormous <laughs> you know, cast of characters and, and locations and, um, you know, essentially building out the, the, the world. Um, so it was, it was, uh, um, this guy reaching out to you, um, to, to kind of hone that in to, to actually, you know, build yeah. it into a, more than just a world into the, into the, into a sort of more cohesive story. And this was someone yeah, at Scout Comics. Gave, yeah. It gave it a finish line. If you know what I mean, like um, a possible finish line, like otherwise I would have just drifted and drawn what I wanted. Right. You know, and I'm all for, I'm all for creative freedom, but if you let, just let a creative person go for it, they'll just, they'll never finish anything. So it's good to have, um, it's good to have like a brief, like, it meant it meant that I had to do to draw things that I might not necessarily have done mm-hmm. if I hadn't had to. But yeah, the world building part is, is fun. Like I, I mean, as much as I love Mad Max and stuff like that, I hate how everything is a post-apocalyptic world. Like, and mm-hmm. everything is terrible and bad. And I just wanted a world that was um, that I could go to and just draw the mundane things as well as, you know, the warriors and <laughs> like, I don't know. I, but basically the story was like, what would happen if, if I got transported to another world? How would I, how would I deal with that as an extremely average person? Um, <laughs> like you see here on screen, like I've got to learn how to, before I can you know, save the universe, I've got to work out how to take a piss <laughs> you know? and how to operate a toilet. So it came from that. So the the world it's I I get sick of real high stakes stories like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean that's the problem with the Marvel universe now every movie is about saving the universe and I'm sick of that so how about just stay alive for long enough <laughs> to you know to do something so that's basically what the story is like you know he, he's got to learn how to shower he's got to work the shower he's got to work the toilet he's got to work out how to eat how how's he going to survive in this world and that's basically what the what the story is yeah it's the the mundane things that that everyone would take for granted sort of plunge yeah. into a into a new world and uh <laughs> yeah. you know uh sort of, yeah have have at it 
I was going to say, what what do you think of the the sort of the main melting pot of kind of ideas and influences that that sort of go into into this one? Well, I think a big like stylistically and like color wise and stuff for me is it's people like Mobius and stuff like that. You know, Jean Girard. Just if I could be at one hundredth of one percent of how good he is and how colorful he is, I'd die happy. You know, but the influence is obviously like. You think of the mundane things, that's obviously the, the Star Wars universe, how they have, you know, you, you can imagine those characters having to have a shower or have a job and have food, you know, mm. that sort of things in the background. I like that. Like, I feel that you look at, say, the cantina scene, you could go to any of those characters and see what they do when they leave the cantina. I like that sort of feel, mm. and I feel that's what I want in this universe. Like, any background character has a whole life. That if you wanted to, you could focus on that. Um, so there's Star Wars, obviously, which pretty much got me drawing in the first place when I was a kid. Um, and I don't know, just just wanting to know more about this universe that's in my head. I think. And the, there's a obvious obvious um, sort of overlap, at least in terms of the the name and some of the themes to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. As, as well was that a, exactly, was that a big yeah. influence when uh, a bit or oh, sorry a big impact on you when you were uh, uh i guess a, a young teenage reader perhaps yeah i think it came later when i was doing the comic but it has always been an influence i think it's the, um the scariness and the silliness of the universe <laughs> as a whole when you think about it yeah. like it's ridiculous that we exist and the universe doesn't care and that's kind of terrifying and funny <laughs> you know and that's what i love about that story and i've tried to bring some of that into this yeah for, for sure it's got it's got a lot of the same uh sort of inventiveness and and uh and yeah sort of hitting your funny bone in all of the right places <laughs> yeah so um, yeah i think one of the one of the things at the start that harry realizes that is that he's only got one pair of underpants <laughs> so like What's he going to do when that gets dirty? <laughs> so stupid things like that. Absolutely. Uh, obsessing a little bit about macaroni cheese, I think. Um... Yeah, well, one of the main things, especially it's about me really, is that, I, I mean, especially years ago, I used to have quite bad anxiety, and it's how um, Harry deals with, with that as well. Like, he's on a different world, but he can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But it's the little problems that really get to him. Right. You know, it's like, like, that's why the macaroni cheese is like a, a motivating factor because he has to break it down into silly little things like that, you know, otherwise he wouldn't leave his room. Um, so it's like he, he can deal with those big problems because they don't feel personal, but it's the little issues that sort of he has trouble dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And he, uh, you mentioned, yeah, sort of building out a cast of, of characters, I think, or uh already out and i don't know if there's still uh, a way of, of being able to get it was a kind of a zero issue which had um yeah a lot of information little, about the there you go little ash can um yeah i'm sure you can because i think only my mum bought a copy um, <laughs> i'm pretty sure you can probably you can probably get some of those um yeah and this is this is sort of a part of a development doc that um that you can see on screen that we're working on to develop it for television if it ever happens. So 
that's kind of that's kind of fun and going through that and sort of fleshing out motivations and and how people act and i love these two characters they would make great gi joes as well <laughs> um they're just sort of they're sort of like a a sort of police force in Flagoria, but you know they're woefully underfunded mm-hmm. and they don't get the best people applying for the job so they're kind of fun i think the character on the left there is i think their motivation is giving people wedgies i think if i <laughs> read that Remember that. <laughs> yeah, wielding it with uh, great, with yeah, with sort of mediocre powers become mediocre responsibilities. <laughs> Some yep. such. Um, but I just love that that hodgepodge sort of, you know, I I hate the sort of everyone's an expert assassin with amazing weaponry. So I like this sort of thing that they have to bring their own footwear and things like that. <laughs> Because they can't afford that, and all their sort of weaponry is falling apart, and you know, probably thirty or forty years old. I just love that sort of dirty aesthetic. You know, the pants are all slightly different, the jackets are different, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, there's this, uh, uh, yeah, they they sort of <laughs> there's a dirty aesthetic uh, for for sure, and and I think that that sort of, uh, I mean, the the name that you kind of go by, Ugly Ink, it kind of. Uh, sort of gives us a bit of an ind- indication that there's a there's a sort of an element of delighting in the in the grotesque and um, having everything a little bit. <laughs> yeah, ugly things are way easier to draw. Ugly things are way easier to draw than fancy polished things. That's true. Because you can hide your mistakes. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, drawing yeah draw, drawing a, a you know, like a gorgeous female's tricky because you know slight slight um oh, yeah slight slip of the pen and and suddenly they're not so gorgeous anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, they've got upper lip here, you know, just like Napoleon Dynamite drew. So, uh, cool. And, and yeah, we talk about the like the aesthetic, and and a big part of uh, kind of the look of the book is is this. Um, yeah, cool. Is is the kind of oh, I was going to get let's get back to that in a second. Um, is is the is the kind of the the look with um, the you know the Copic um, marker kind of. Uh, look the 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 sort of is here there's sort of like just it's there's color everywhere but somehow not overloaded and and sort of a very sympathetic sort of use of uh color and uh and it looks yeah sort of very kind of painterly but um but yeah i think the the weapon of choice that that you use is is uh kind of the the copic so i did you want to talk about kind of tech your kind of yeah your, your process a little bit i've that's pretty much it. Yeah, like um, basically, like I kind of saying before, it was I, I learned to use markers when I was studying, and then got into digital art and just didn't touch them for right. 15, 16 years. And then when work was at its worst, I would thought I need to do something off the computer, so I started drawing them again, and that's sort of where the social media um, profiles came from. Was just putting that stuff up. Mm. Um, and now, now I wouldn't color with anything else. Like, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't turn the computer on at all, you know. Um, but um, it's just I'm quicker coloring with hand by hand. Mm. Uh, it's it limits it limits me and my color choices as well, which is great. Right, because right, right, right. On the computer, you have an infinite amount of colors, right? So you're always trying to make decisions. And I know all of my colors, there's colors behind me. I, I don't have all the Copics. I've got a pretty limited set. Mm-hmm. 
um, and it and it also helps everything that fits together. Everything looks like my work there, right? Because of all the colours um, that I that I use, or the limited colours that I use. Like I wouldn't buy a new a new colour now. Oh, wow. I would buy refills of existing image, uh, markers that I have. Hmm. Um, like I said, it makes it quicker for me. It limits my choices. Um, and like you know, like I shade. Every shade that I do is usually blues, you know, just to save time, save mm. money, mm. save decision making. It's great. And I think um, up there on your, is it, did I say maybe on your Instagram profile, you've listed yourself as a Copic am- ambassador. Um, what's what's a Copic ambassador and how did all that come about? Well, um, they were just asking for people to, to show their work that use Copic stuff and, um, you know, I just have to tag them in a few things and uh-huh. they'll send me out some markers every now and then and help promote my work. And they've been really, really good to me. So it helps me save on the, on the costs a little. Um, but it's just, I mean, I would promote their stuff, even if I wasn't involved with them. I just think such a great product and it has just sort of saved my creative life. If that <laughs> makes any sense, you know. Like I, I wouldn't be doing any of this if I hadn't picked up those copper markers again. Right. And I didn't, I didn't kind of twig until until I um, until I saw you post about it that that actually there's little to none um, uh, in work in the way of solid blacks and you know spotted blacks that it is all it is all yeah looking like that sort of the the uh, the line work completely open and then and then it is it is yeah. straight to color and, and shade without without that um, uh, that that's the sort of the solid black look which um is yeah. is kind of you almost ubiquitous really in sort of like western comics that that you know you see the kind of the um the solid you know spotting spotting of blacks so it's a, it, it lends it to yeah i think look. like i think that is purely my limitations as an artist like i have no confidence putting that amount of black down like i'm not a, a trained comic book artist like i just don't know how to do that properly so i've just worked out my own method so i'd love to be able to do that like i see you know like um but one of my favorite artists is cam kennedy and just the way he works with things and stuff i just can't i just don't have the confidence to do that uh i don't, I don't think i ever will so <laughs> i even if even if i was doing a nighttime scene i would color everything like it's daytime and then make it nighttime using blues, right. mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Whereas if it was a traditional comic book thing, they would just black out all of those spots. You know, whereas I, I would colour everything and then make it nighttime afterwards. Like um, even one of these scenes with this character, I find quite intense because it's got a lot of, it's got a bit of, it doesn't have full black in it. It's got like mm-hmm. a 80% black or grey marker in there. And I still find that quite intimidating. Um, but I think it's like people always ask, like, how did you get your style? And your style is pretty much whatever you're good at and whatever you're terrible at, and that combines mm. to form your style. And that's just that's just why that's like that. Yeah, I see. I see a little bit of um, uh, similarity to like uh, Jeff Darrow, who who again is a big admirer of um, of Mobius. Um, they they worked mm. together. I think he some of his early work they. Did the he coloured Mobius? I think was it Project yeah, City have. on Fire, or even recoloured? Like I'm not sure. Um, 
but uh yeah, but yeah very again sort of very sort of very very sort of open uh style uh, i've got a couple of other examples of uh pencils to there's a devil fish inspired um boat <laughs> It's nice. I did. I didn't put that two and two together until until you said, yeah. The, That's where the colours came from. Yeah. The, the orange of the of the boat. Uh, yeah, devilfish. There we go. Uh, and and it's sort of comparing, you know, comparing across contrasting the pre colour and uh, and the post colour. It's sort of, you know, you can see how much of the uh, how much of it comes together in in the actual, you know, the final piece compared to, to you know, the, the the pencils. That... Yeah, the lines. The lines, even some some images don't have a lot of line. The lines take me way longer than the color. Like, oh really? Um, the color is the color is very like natural and intuitive to me. Like I can just sit there and zone out and do it. Mm. Whereas um, the line work, I really second guess sometimes. Um, like uh, I feel <laughs> one of the things I was thinking of is the my artwork is getting better in each issue of the comic and I kind of want to go back to the start <laughs> no, and redo it. Madness. Madness <laughs> lies that way. But... Um, yeah, that, that was funny. That was a a butt-themed book commission. The guy <laughs> said, I'm doing a a book about... And it, it, you can do draw whatever you want, but it has to have butts in it somewhere. So and the, there's another part of the drawing. There's a robot with a butt in it. <laughs> but... <laughs> And I don't, I don't know what ever happened to that book, but he paid me for the drawing, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, there was something that, yeah. that uh, did prompt me to, to think of something, but then I was completely thrown by um, the butts. Um, no, it's it's gone. I was maybe maybe, maybe it was going to be so to say that is it is like a completely different sort of part of your brain the the sort of the the line work versus the 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 color the the coloring and and you sometimes. You put on um, Instagram sometimes the uh, like videos of of doing some of the the colors and to me it's just watching that to me sometimes stresses me out. It's like you've done all of that work, you're putting on the colors, and if the color was to go then wrong, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Hey, well, I've got it. Well, that's the thing. Um, if I have a really detailed comic page, um, I will sometimes do the line work digitally using um clip studio it's a really good drawing program and so i can print directly onto onto the paper now the marker paper and then just color over the top of it so um if it's a piece i'm worried about i might even do the inking scan it and then print it or do it digitally and print it and then i can just i can screw up but to be honest the color it's so easy to hide mistakes that you can kind of get away with it. Like, I mean, there's things that you won't notice, but I will just notice the terrible things or the mistakes. But I've learned some good techniques of hiding, hiding the boo-boos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, yeah, I, 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 I can't even begin to, to think, but it's like, it's not like, and because the medium of choice is Copic, it's, it's harder to just sort of go over, go over it and, um, uh, in a, in a thicker layer of paint, for example. Um, you can darken, like you always go. You can always go darker. The key with copics is you start you start very light. Every colour you put down is lighter, and then you go darker and darker and darker. As you go, you sort of layer it like that. But um, it's the painterly aspect as well that can hide sort of imperfections, and it makes makes the whole image an imperfection if that makes sense. So if it was 
digital stuff, then um, that's probably why I prefer to do it by hand. If it was digital, I would have to try and get it perfect. You know, there'd be that little white pixel that didn't get filled in by a color fill or something, and it would annoy me. Whereas with this, you almost sort of put a, a layer down of color and work up from there. Right. And right, it right. sort of just makes it more cohesive and hides or, or just, like I say, everything has an imperfection in it, so it makes it, it hides hides the big mistakes. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. Um, yeah, on this, this middle one, you can see there's that kind of intermediary. Uh, level i can't i can't work yeah. out i can't see the um text to, to say see what it, it says but it's like it's kind of like almost the um in a digital way you'd kind of call it the flats or something of of having uh, a base yep. la layer and then it's yep. kind of the, the details painted out in um and it's yeah oh. that like alchemy to me because sort of, you like you'll you'll be sort of having like a brown fence or something there, and then you'll be putting on layers of blue to darken it <laughs> yeah that's like I said, like a normal person would probably just color that blue from the start if they knew it was going to be, you know, in shadow. But me, I have to make it, put all the colors in and then sort of decide what time of day it is after that, if that makes sense. And you, you mentioned as well, going going back to redraw and, and yeah, please don't do that. Just keep on going forward. Get Keep on going forward. We need to, more story. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, looking back, like kind of to the big starting, you know, postings um, online of uh, of the kind of the, you know things that have been tagged as Flagoria. That um, uh, the the style you could definitely see an evolution between some of those earlier pieces and kind of what's made it into the into the comic. And to what degree is yeah. that like sort of a, a, a kind of a natural evolution versus a, a conscious decision to kind of slightly change the the the, the style? It's a mix, I guess. Um like at the start it was just drawing whatever i felt like drawing on that day you know and then when other people come involved or you know you've got you know you've got to make it cohesive then you think no that doesn't really fit anymore um but yeah it, like i say it was pretty much if i felt like drawing a rotisserie chicken robot <laughs> then i'd just draw it and then maybe work out how it fits in the universe later but um he's still in there though like um he can still put it there but um yeah it's just given it more focus um and i do i do have another sort of universe that i i was pitching a few years ago that's that's where i put that sort of crazier more spacey ufo alien monsters type stuff so i've kind of segregated those sort of things now but um yeah i, I guess i've dialed back the weirdness slightly in flagoria um but I think that weirdness might come out later on if I ever do any more comic issues of it. Yeah, because I guess there's like this. I mean, it's the mystery of what what is Flagoria and what you know what is it all about, etc. But um, it's I guess one one element of the, the the weirdness dial being dialed back is that most of the characters involved are at least humanoids. That it's not like everyone is you know a different type yeah. of alien so so you do have some kind of kind of guide like some guide rails that, that that kind of keep you in from going too weird and at least in terms of the look of the some of the main characters uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's like i could have gone weirder but then i think there uh, in the comment it might i don't know how clear it is but there is a link between the earth and flagoria and whether that's i won't give it away but you know it could have been in the ancient past or you know there could be some I mean, there's a reason they both speak English. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or you know, yeah. a version of 
no, I wouldn't say, you know, they both speak a, a language that we can understand, you know. Um, there's those sort of links. Yeah, and talking of language um, popped up earlier that, that in the, in, within the comics, you've got these great um, sort of advert pages, which sort of, I guess, is another another where kind of another sort of space for you to go slightly, uh, slightly crazy <laughs> and do something completely different again. And it's all written in this yeah. sort of alien language. And then as, as I was reading it, I was, I, was think, I was thinking to myself, I bet all of these words actually are text and mean something. And you've created this, you know, yeah, entire work, alphabet yeah. <laughs> yourself to, to make, it, make it work. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to my, when I had to do a bit of, when I worked in advertising and, you know, working with copywriters and doing your own little bit of copywriting. So all of those have a spiel about what they are. So you can translate that mm -hmm. if you're bored enough, you can go in there and translate that. Um, but the idea for the ads was I thought my favorite, one of my favorite parts about old comic books is, you know, those um, pages with the prizes on them that you could send away mm -hmm. for. And I just thought, you know, no one's going to, no one's going to actually be paying money to put an ad in my comic. So <laughs> I'll just make my own. So um, throughout each issue, there's two or three different um ad pages i think even in issue three or four i've got like classifieds for um flagorian car sales and stuff like that and there that is mainly just wordy text but you can go up there and translate that if you want um so yeah all, all of that text works um some of the logos obviously not but um even see that little rainbow logo that's um uh see the with the little walkie talkie phone thing that's flindelheim which is sort of the the big conglomerate, conglomerate megacorp of um, uh, Flagoria. So they make everything. So they make all these toys and the cars and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. In, in world. And uh, and uh, this is this is sort of not segued into anything, but I think one of my favourite designs uh, from from the book is um, is this guy, the Sentry Buddy. Um, who I think is is oh, just yeah. uh, a little bit inspired. He's kind of this um, smiling-faced kind of transformer, gobot-looking kind of chap, and then sort of when he's uh, then he gets activated and he's doing <laughs> doing that, and the, yeah. uh, the angry face pops up. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah, he's fun. Um, this sort of um, he he's features and. Um issue three and four he's yeah not incredibly intelligent but you know he's got a task he's got a job to do and he he does it to the letter of the law you know um yeah he's fun um he was inspired actually by um was it the rock lords remember those toys oh, right. yeah 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 they're just like rocks and they <laughs> turn into robots for so i don't know how, how do you even play with that yeah, it's like <laughs> some marketing. Was yeah, some marketing exec was like, "Yeah, Transformers, you know, they're they're hit with the kids. Let's let's do our own version, and we'll just have them as rocks. Yeah, yeah. So, rock mode. <laughs> yeah, like I, the the reason, like the smiley face. Why not put a smiley face on it? I can do whatever I want. So, <laughs> so so yeah, sort of. Uh, we've kind of probably glossed over it a little bit, but do you want to kind of do a little bit of uh? A describing of kind of some of the some of the I guess the, the key elements of what this this story is and what uh people can expect if they uh if they pick it up 
Well, basically, it's like I was saying before, it's just a, a regular dude who gets transported to another world. And it's not like everyone's trying to kill him or <laughs> he's trying to save the universe. It's just him trying to find a way home, basically, and sort of learning to come out of a shell a bit mm-hmm. more and be a bit more positive as a human being. And he's got this little robot friend, Steve, that he rescues at the start of the story and they sort of become friends and sort of influence each other and change each other as people. And it's just um, his journey with Steve across Flagoria to try and find a way home. That's basically the small sort of short gist of it. And it's about the things he does along the way and the people he meets and the sort of landscapes he sees. And basically he's got this little guidebook that he sort of adds to and reads and learns about. And I don't know, that, that's the little sort of short gist about it, but um, it's not overly violent or anything like that. It's just, I mean, there is moments of action in here. But I mean, there's a massacre in front of you now. But, um, that massacre aside. But it's, it's how he, yeah, it's how he deals with those moments um, and how, say, if we were in that situation, what would happen? He's not an expert assassin. He's not a ninja. He's not super intelligent. So he's just using his own attributes to get through this sort of massive situation. And uh, yeah, you sent me uh, a preview of a couple of the issues and um, yeah, really, really enjoyed those. And uh, today I have uh, shot across an email to my uh, local comic book store uh, cool. saying, please, uh, please add it onto my pull list. So uh, it's in preview. So I'm assuming that it should pretty much be available wherever good comics can be found from Scout Comics. Yep. Uh, first issue ship it uh, out June 21st, 2023. Previews code APR231822. So, um, yeah. Yeah, grab it so my mum doesn't have to buy all the copies. <laughs> please and is it's it's planned to be six issues originally is it and yep the five and five and a half issues so far are completed i'm just working on the final final one now to try and wrap it up nicely last but push five issues are already in the can and uh and yeah. what's what's the uh what's the plan beyond um beyond issue issue six because i guess there's a lot of there's a lot of world to explore that you've created yeah, well, um, I think the first six issues are, I would almost think is they work alone and then it's sort of, if there were more, which I'd like to do, sort of Harry can go and explore more and be more comfortable in that world and sort of maybe explore the, the even weirder side of Flagoria, I think. I, I do certainly hope that that we get uh, get more and uh, see see more of, the, more of that uh, world and let you plug while we're here uh where people can find you uh this is one of the places yeah if you just any sort of social media you type in that ugly ink and if that red logo comes up that's me if it's not it's not me <laughs> no you're not a tattoo artist or anything yeah no i'm not and i think there is another illustrator from new zealand called sam moore so make sure it's the one with the red logo. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, un- unmistakable. So, uh, so yeah, uh, good, good branding though. Ugly ink everywhere um, across all of the uh, all of the main platforms. 
uh, I think um, I've covered pretty much everything that I had got that I had got in my mind that I wanted to talk to you oh. about. Um, so, uh, oh. yeah, was there anything? Was there anything else that that you think people should know, or you want to? Um, no, just follow my work, like stuff, comment stuff. I'm always if you send me a message, I'll always get back to people as well. And especially if it's you know advice about drawing and tools that I use and things like that. And um, got some exciting things planned. So we got the Traveler's Guide mm-hmm. to Flagoria is also in sort of early development as a TV show as well. So you know it doesn't really mean anything these <laughs> days in development, but you know it's um, I've got some good people working with me and helping me out. And if all goes well, there will at least be a a little trailer of um sort of proof of concept thing coming out next year probably with that which is pretty exciting and pretty ridiculous right if you told me that that would happen <laughs> once i started posting art so and would that be live, live action if it happens or well uh, i'd be uh, working with working with an animation company called uh look mom studios they're in canada and the us so they're really cool and they're they're helping me so much with you know character development and making things work and i'm learning a lot yeah, it's uh, so it, it yeah moves on to into bigger and better things and uh, we get a lot more of it. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much uh, for taking the time, letting us know about the the world that you've created and uh, and yeah so how some of it has been inspired by uh, by GI Joe. <laughs> Bring it all back to GI Joe. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to send me their GI Joes if they're trying to buy a house. You know, I'll take, I'll take my hand. So uh, I think we normally finish off by saying uh, that, yeah, if this is your first time uh, hearing about Talking Joe, you can find us at talkingjoe.co.uk. That is the website to find out more. Um, and that, uh, as we wrap up, we remind people that... Nobody beats Talking Joe, an international podcast. I didn't sing it in the way, same way that um, Tim does. Just imagine it was, it was sung uh, nicely and enthusiastically. And uh, m- yeah, more international than we sometimes uh, really in the UK, New Zealand, and, and worldwide audience in the spirit. So until next time, play this. Bye.